You're listening to episode 20 of Daughters on Fire with your hosts, Robin Arab and Melissa Burton. In today's episode, Robin and I are going to pay tribute to our fathers. That's right. Today is Father's Day, and we want to spend some time with you to talk about the amazing men in our lives that raised us and help us become who we are today. So we're going to talk about some fun stories, reminiscing from our own experience, And we're also going to talk about what the caregiving journey looks like when you are dealing with your dad. So join us as we explore and celebrate this wonderful Father's Day journey. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. Welcome back to Daughters on Fire. I'm your host, Melissa Burton, here with Robin Aram. How's it going, Robin? Doing good. Things are just popping along. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm great. I'm excited that um, we are in the month of June, and and it, it's the month of fathers. So I know we're going to talk about fathers this month. I kind of like that May is Mother's Day and June is Father's Day, that they kind of come back to back. And so we can honor mothers. Um, we did through the month of May, and now we're going to be honoring our fathers. So um, I'm excited to be able to talk to you about that today. Well, I'm excited to share. I'll start out by saying, telling you something that seems to tickle all of my friends, and I just, I don't get it. But my dad was a twin. He was born um, on a, I think it was a dairy farm. I don't know. He was born on a farm. Anyhow, my father's name is Henry Thomas Howe. Well, his twin brother's name was Thomas Henry Howe. Now, I've got friends that just think that that is hilarious because his mother wasn't imaginative enough to... (laughs) That just sounds very confusing. (laughs) So it's Thomas Thomas Henry Henry and Henry Thomas. Wow, yeah, that, especially when you get really angry. Maybe she knew that she would be mixing up their names when she got really angry and combining them, and so this just made it easier for her. Henry Thomas? Henry Thomas how? (laughs) so um they were the babies and interestingly enough i i'm I'm not sure if they were even identical twins but he actually looks or he looked more like my other uncle and so anyhow that that he grew up as a twin and he grew up in a in pennsylvania and then ended up being a milkman so my dad you know when they say the quintessential milkman everybody says um she came from the milkman. So uh, I never got to ride the truck. My brothers did. Um, and I, But I can still see it. We had one of those heaters in the truck, and my dad would go out early in the morning, of course, and deliver. And uh, the thing I do remember the most is after he was de- no, no longer delivering milk, he'd, we'd be driving along, and he'd say, Oh, I delivered milk down there. I delivered milk there. And I catch myself now telling my husband, oh, I used to have a client down there. And over there, there was a client. So That's really funny. The way you described that, so picturesque, like grew up on a farm in Pennsylvania. It was, a, you said a dairy farm? I think so. It makes me think of the um, 
Saturday Evening Post. What are those? The guy, the artist that makes. Oh, Norman. Yes, Norman Rockwell. Rockwell. Yes, uh -huh. it seems like a very Norman Rockwell life right there. And I have, um, you know, the Eric Church Band. My yeah. my friend helped write the song, um, the Norman Rockwell. No, actually, I think it was his song. It's not Eric's song. It's it's Jeff's song. So the Norman Rockwell life. <laughs> Your family lived the Norman Rockwell life. Well, in the stories, um, I do have, I got to keep the buffet that was in my grandmother's. Um, my dad's mom was the only grandmother I knew. Um, the others had passed before I was born, but um, there used to be a glass jar that would have crackers and snacks in it. And every time we'd walk in, my mom would whisper, don't eat any of the snacks. Why? I choked myself because they were stale. Oh, because they've been in there like forever. <laughs> but she often talked about living on a farm that they would have three or four different types of meats for breakfast. And we also had their um, kitchen table. So I often picture all the, because they were all boys, that one girl, just all of them sitting around the, the table and um, chomping on their proteins for the day. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So tell me about your dad. What, what are some good memories of your dad that you had? Um, my dad was truly an unconditional lover. And I know that everybody is told that's what we're supposed to be to love unconditionally. My dad truly did. It didn't matter um, what you did right, what you did wrong. He always loved you. You knew that you were always loved. Um, dad, I think I had mentioned before, got sick. And I, when I was eight years old, he had rheumatoid arthritis. And I don't ever really remember a healthy dad other than seeing pictures that we would go to the beach and things like that. But um, he was always in a lot of pain. But when he wasn't, he was a jokester, and he loved to laugh, and my dad could sing. And so he would lead singing at church. And those are some of my fondest memories, seeing him up there and just belting out some of these songs. And um, several people in the church would still, when I would come home, they'd say, oh, you remember when Henry was up there leading the singing? And, and, and we just loved his music, and I know they had dedicated several books and things um, to his memory. but. Uh, those were the good times. I remember, I remember Christmas morning and I don't know why I often remember this is that, uh, we would pass out the gifts and he'd always say, is there one more over there for dad? And we'd always, you know, send it over to him. And, um, so did you wait and like have one last gift for dad to give it to him last? No, no, oh. <laughs> we weren't that methodical, but, uh, Anyhow, he, he was a good guy. He uh, stopped working. I think I was in middle school. Um, he had filed for disability. And so he was often home when I got home from school. Sometimes he would pick me up from school. He, um, just a good guy, just a really good guy. And um, he was dealt a, a rough card of, of the pain. And, and he wasn't a good patient. Mm -hmm. He was often whiny and complaining and, um, you know, now when I look back when my thumb hurts because it has arthritis, I think that man had pain over his entire body. Mm. So, um, so caregiving for him was a little bit different because I was younger. 
I do remember um, he'd be in a wheelchair and we would push him around and things like that. But um, I do. Re I, I was married, but I was married young, so I was probably in my early twenties and um, had to come home. My mom had a heart attack, so she was in the hospital. So I had to take care of him myself. And at that point, we had a tub with a high step, which he couldn't get into. So it was a matter of I drove him to my sister's house who had a walk-in shower. And um, I had to bathe my father. Mm -hmm. And that is a totally different experience when it's your father and you are now doing um, his ADLs for him. And, and bathing him and, and making sure he's clean and dressed and things like that. It was something I didn't really think twice about. I just did it. Um, but I think in a lot of families, there's um, some resistance to that. And I think maybe he had been sick for so long at that point. So many people had bathed him that I was just one more person who bathed him. And I was somebody who loved him and who would be gentle and, you know, caring with his care. But um, we it's hard with dads, especially daughters and dads, of taking care of them and worrying about their dignity and their privacy. Um, what's the other word I'm looking for, Melissa? Modesty. Modesty, yeah. So it, it's a different ball game, and we have to approach that a little bit differently, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. I want to swing back around to that with with my own caregiving journey with my dad, but because it's at a very different place um, more at the beginning than at the end. But so my dad and I, <laughs> well, he's so outnumbered. There are three daughters and my mom. And so, you know, I, I think he was probably more engaged and fun loving as we, as we were growing up when we were little. Um, but my mom was always at the stay at home mom for a lot of our lives. She did go back to work in, and she was a teacher, but she was the one that kind of kept the house, kept the discipline and had us all minding our P's and Q's at home. So dad would only get involved when, oh, well, you wait till your dad gets home, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but really that was few and far between. Um, but as we got older and three girls really close in age started to get into middle school and, and <laughs> puberty in high school oh my goodness all he could do was zone out and and be like you know I have to hold my breath and and pray I don't drown in this hormonal house until until they all become adults but I remember he would go and he would have to go to the store to pick up tampons for us and stuff like that and I can only imagine what that must have been like but my dad the trooper he did that um but I didn't feel as close to him during that time because I was living my own life and he, I don't know that he quite knew what to do with us women, except let us be, let us be, you know, hands off, do not disturb, right? Um, but when, when I got married and my sisters, we all got married and the, the son-in-laws came in, I was like, wow, my dad's a lot chattier than I remember growing up. Like my dad has something to say, you know, and he became, um, much more engaging because he had men around to talk to and, and stuff and sports and golf and different things that he enjoyed doing. But my dad and I became a lot closer when 
um, in the true spirit of nepotism, I went to work with him at, uh, at a church. He, he was an administrator at a church and, uh, you know, the office kind of manager, I don't know, administrator, what, what they call church employees these days. Uh, but I went to work at the church as well. And we actually, we got really close during that time. And I really appreciated that he respected me um, as an employee. He saw me as capable and um, not like, I, I really think he wanted me to work there, not because he felt sorry for his daughter and wanted to give her a job, but he saw me as somebody that um, could do a really good job and was an asset to work there. That's how I really felt like he treated me. And I thought, um, he was a really good boss, which is, is kind of a fun experience. We, I didn't stay there for a super long time, but it was a really good experience. I think it brought us closer together. But recently, um, my parents and I have become a lot closer in, in my dad because we are, we're slowly on that journey of going from my parents are independent. I'm independent. We're living our own lives to be more interdependent. He and my mom are starting to make decisions or starting to see the future that they're maybe a little, I don't want to say feeble, but the, the, the future standing alone is, is not as sturdy. Does that make sense, Robin? As I say that, they realize that they really have to start looking at teamwork have they have to start looking at relying on their their children which is me and my sisters and so um since i'm in this world of understanding the aging life you know i'm thinking of our aging life care association but this aging <laughs> journey that people are on then I, I feel again just like when i was an employee and he brought me in that they are relying on me not just because i'm a daughter but that they respect me and they respect how i can help them and so it's been a lot of fun and one so that's been great because i feel really respected by my parents in this journey which says a lot from like a dad's standpoint, you know, the dad, the patriarch of the family, the strong person that's there to nurture and protect everybody, especially a house full of women for, for him to trust me to help share the reins of what's next in their life with me. And, and just a side note too, my dad is really like laid back. I mean, there were times, don't get me wrong. I, I made my dad mad. I mean, you know, but, but for the most part, like now he's just kind of a really friendly kind of laughing, joking guy. He's not like a jokester, but he's, he's always very, um, jolly. I guess that's what I would say happy. Yes. Happy, jolly kind of guy. So that's how I he got all those him. girls out of the house. <laughs> like life is so carefree. <laughs> You know, it's funny too because they're only granddaughters. They're, I mean, the man, the poor man, is like just so outnumbered. Besides, with the son-in-laws that have come in, but there's only granddaughters. But anyway, so I guess all of that to say back to the caregiving journey of of what that relationship looks like when you become intradependent with with the patriarch of the family. You know, it it, it can be 
like for for you and me, I think it was something that wasn't resisted so hard. And so it's been, and I don't know what the future holds, but right now it's definitely been a collaboration. Therefore, I feel really respected. And I know I'm doing everything with the utmost respect of my parents. Um, doesn't mean we haven't had car- hard conversations, but it, I feel valued in that. And I don't know if that people really look at, the caregiving journey, how important it is for the caregiver to really feel their value, feel like they're valued in what they're doing. I think you can do so much more as a caregiver when you know that the people you're caring for truly respect and value what you're doing for them. And I can say that 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 makes a, a big difference. I think just like you were saying with your, your dad, your dad had gone through so much of the caregiving before and the bathing that he just knew that you were, you know, that you were somebody who was going to respect his dignity, his modesty and, and treat him with respect as you bathed your father. I mean, that's, that's a big deal for a child, a daughter to have to bathe her father or even a son to have to bathe his father. That, that well, changes. And I think back to one of the things you said about the patriarch and, taking care of the family and especially in their generation I think that the father was typically in charge now that was not the case in our family my mother and as much as I've told you all, I know this doesn't surprise not one of you she was in charge and he did whatever she said but I think specifically maybe with sons which we can't speak to personally but um, fathers are not going to tell a daughter a lot of times their financial situations or their needs or their wants or their feelings because, first of all, he's supposed to be your protector and he doesn't want to to burden you with that information. I think sometimes maybe with sons, it's it's none of your business. Just know that I've, I've done good. And maybe it is a fear of being judged for their stewardship or, or things like that. Um, you know, very big in that generation is leaving inheritance and, and saving money for the future, that type thing. So it could be maybe their finances went awry or, um, they just don't want to talk about it. That's not something you share with your children. This is between you and your wife or just you only, and you take care of the finances and everybody else is on a need to know basis. So I do think, um, sometimes those barriers are harder to break down. So I'm so excited and happy to hear you talk about how your father came to you or you all came together. And, and I do believe that's a huge sign of respect for a parent to allow their child to take over because as we know in their minds, we are still that little child and uh, don't know a whole lot, but Mm -hmm. I mean, logically they know that's not true, but emotionally, you can't burden your children. So I think that walk is a little bit, it's both mothers and fathers, but I think fathers are a little bit maybe more proud Mm -hmm. in um, not wanting to share things and not asking for help because that's one more step of not being independent is allowing someone else to take care of your finances, your bathing, your decision-making, things like that. Yeah. And like you said, we're, we evolve as a society and culturally. And so everybody's experience, every generation's experience is different than the last one. 
but for this generation of you know that people find themselves in their their 80s 70s and 80s now it was it was a more you you know you did what you needed to do and you like you said you you took care of everybody and if behind the scenes it looks a little messy then they're not used to sharing that or asking for help right and they all went through the depression so i think that's a whole different experience that we we just don't understand and know of um the different emotions and lifestyles that they had and and on the same at the same token so many of this generation they they really did prepare for the future but their future now looks a lot different with the health care costs and you know the that alone can really mess up someone's finances or long-term care when you get sick. Like that can take somebody who thought they had it very, you know, well prepared and lined out and everything's going to be fine. And I'm going to be able to take care of and maybe even hand down an inheritance, take care of myself, my wife, hand down inheritance. It may look completely different in this day and age with health care costs, the way they are chronic conditions, the way they are. Um, so, so what once was maybe something they were very, very proud of may have just because of the situation slipped away from them. And so they're not proud of where they've ended up. And, and I'm not saying all situations, but we know aging can, right. be, financial, can be a huge financial burden. I agree. I think it's just a, it's a different world. And I think, um, I think that's changing. As, as we evolve, and I think that as family units, we may be able to um, break those myths down and, and be more helpful. But, um, you know, I think in most people's eyes, fathers are, are the power in the family and the strength and the one that we go to um, when we need something. Yeah. So from both standpoints, from the patriarch feeling vulnerable and feeble and realizing that they aren't as strong as they want to be, and from the family and the caregivers and the children seeing that in their parents, that's a very emotional switch. Well, I take that back. I don't like the word switch. It's an emotional transition, and it, ha and it happens kind of slowly. And so there may be little peaks of it at one point in time and then you pretend like oh no I don't know what that was but I didn't see that and then it starts to creep in a little bit more and it's a very hard transition but a very loving very respectful family unit is going to reciprocate that love and respect back and forth and it will be a much easier journey than than it otherwise could be and if you find yourself in the middle of turmoil because it's not been an easy journey and there's been maybe more strife than you wanted or you expected. Don't give up on it. Don't say, Oh, well we did it wrong or we've messed up or this is just doomed. It's not. Sometimes it's just about understanding and getting perspective and getting assistance and getting somebody from the outside to walk you through it a little more. So in those situations, you know, reach out, get resources, get, um, professional help, you know, whether it's counseling or a care manager or, you know, services that can help you sort through things. It may just be that you got off track as a family unit because you were so overwhelmed 
and not because there was actually lack of love and respect. It just feels like that. Right. Well, and I think um, I agree with all of that because they always, that objective third person coming in is always helpful. Um, A little frustrating maybe for the, the caregiver, but it is always helpful. And, you know, bottom line is if it gets it done, that that's what you want done. I think um, it does take a lot of patience. And sometimes we all, sometimes I'm talking about me specifically, want to rush in and take care of it when we just need to bide our time. And um, as Melissa, you pointed out, that there are times that it will evolve and they will realize that they need help. And that's when you can step in and make it feel um, respectful and dignified for them to come along and um, make those decisions. Even though they made those decisions by your prompting, it has worked out um, for the best for everybody. So it's it's a lot of patience. And I love the word respect. And I, I think... Um, these are the people, whether they were it was a good childhood or a bad childhood or an indifferent childhood, they are our fathers, and um, they deserve that respect. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't say it any better, and I think we should just end it right there. You know, happy Father's Day with a lot of love and respect. There you go. All right. Thanks, Robin. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave a review so we can reach more women like you. You are not alone on your journey, and the Fire Tribe is here to support you. Check us out at DaughtersOnFire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.